right, joining us on the Raptor Show is Lindsay Dunn, music and sports journalist at City News. Lindsay, uh, thank you for taking time to speak to us. And uh, yeah, let us know where you're joining us from because you know you're always you know all over the place uh, covering everything. So where are you right now? <laughs> Thanks for having me. I know where in the world is Lindsay today. It was a fun game. Uh, I am in Los Angeles. I just flew from Vegas because I'm covering uh, the All Star Game that's happening here that has a giant load of Blue Jays in it. Yeah, that's right. I think last minute addition, uh, Jordan Romano has been added. I- I'm not really up with the Jays, to be honest. As people who listen to the show know, I I just pretend to be a Jays fan. But, uh, you know, I think that the Raptors take up most of my time, which is understandable. Um, so, look, listen, I wanted to ask you a whole bunch of questions about your career as well, um, because just wanted to let people, um, you know, behind the mic behind the camera and things like that. But uh, let's first talk about summer league, which you were just at, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you were down there interviewing the Raptors as always. Um, I mean, so first off, how would you describe the mood around this particular group? Bench mob 2.0. Oh, I okay. loved it. Like, and I covered the original bench mob, all that jazz. Like they were so fun. The camaraderie there at practice on the court. Like I am now with Justin Champagne Stan because he just the energy brings like and we watched him last year covered him on the 905 and the raptors when he would get the call up and it was just so fun to be around and they just really support each other for the most part and even christian coloco i was curious to see how he would fit in with you know some of the players that were turning and the undrafted players and i thought like you know originally we had that introduction from him on that press conference which i think would be intimidating to be on a zoom with like a billion people and like basically it's like you're talking to robots on the other end and so i didn't know what to get from him and he's so funny and he has such a great dry sense of humor and like he was also video bombing my interviews and it's just it was relaxed and they really enjoy and support each other which we've seen on different rosters different teams different sports that that doesn't happen because they're all fighting for roster spots if Mm. we're being honest here but it it was really fun. I'm going with Benchmob 2.0, and I'm just standing every single person on that team right now. Okay, understandably so, because it, it the vibe was incredible. I didn't think we got that much, like, access. Um, obviously, it's just Summer League is not covered the same way as, if, like, you know, a game when Toronto would be. But I think a lot of the behind-the-scenes access was brought to the fans by you. And as you mentioned, the video bombing, it was, like, every single day uh, Justin Champagne would crash an interview and call everyone his son. So okay, can you explain like what 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 is he doing? What what is this joke? Where did it come from? Do you have you just give us <laughs> they the try to explain it to me? What I like to say is like I'm nine thousand years old than all these players, so I don't understand it. And I remember when it happened, I go to my husband, I'm like, can you explain this to me? And like even when Justin tried to, I don't understand it, but it's for me funny. And I understand some people don't find this funny, or I don't understand it at all. I love the personality that's coming up, which is why I love covering basketball so many times is because of the players' personalities. But I'm t- telling you right now i don't understand this bit or this joke at all because last year pascal said it a little bit yep, you even yep. had 10 pennies from brother say it and when he had a workout with the raptors for the pre-draft but then it's just like day one i have this shot of when justin sees that i'm doing this interview with armani brooks and i can just see he, like you can see the wheels turning in his head he's like i'm gonna crash this interview and then he crashes that interview with armani then when i'm interviewing um Justin and Delano together and I wanted to do that because I saw that they were having fun at summer league and I didn't really just see it anywhere I'm like let's see what happens mm-hmm. but that a Christian he crashed my interview with Ron Harper Jr. who 
his personality, I really saw come through at Summer League as well, is he's a really fun guy, and they all just really seem to get along. But I don't understand the joke. But today I even posted, uh, or recently I recently posted Justin also crashing my interview with Christian Coloco. Like, nobody was safe. Nobody was safe from having an interview crashed by him. Yeah, so I, I need to know the process behind it. Like, is he just always hanging around? Like, obviously, you're at the gym, you're at practice, everybody's at practice, but he's not even playing because he has like a fractured wrist or thumb or something mm-hmm. like that. Fortunately, he wasn't able to play. However, we've seen him nonstop because of these videos. So is he just always lurking in the background? He is, even when you don't know he's there. Like, specifically for me, interviewing Coloco is I didn't know Justin was anywhere around. And I just see him turn a corner and I can just see the look in his eyes like, you're going down. And then I like, and I give him an opportunity. I'm like, do you want to ask a question? Like, hey, and he's like, you already know what I'm going to ask. He's my son. And it's like, he just popped up everywhere. And like, unfortunately, I was there like the moment he found out that he wasn't going to be able to play. And he's Mm -hmm. like, understood he's like i'm still gonna have fun i'm gonna support my guys but he just would pop out out of nowhere like you didn't know where he would be and it's like hey look there he is oh he's now in your interview yeah no it's it's, it's amazing it's it's uh so so what was the explanation you said you didn't understand but can you at least try to relay what he said okay so i would just be interviewing i'll just tell them i really have no idea where this started so somebody please explain this to both of us Is hmm. he would just walk up and yell, these are my sons, these are my sons. And I know Delano tried to explain it because even Ron Jr. called them his grandsons. And it's just, what I, I know. And I, I posted, it's like I said, can somebody please explain this to me? But my understanding is like, you know, they kind of terrible explanation somebody gave me was they kind of, you know, they're taking care of them. They're under their wing. They're my son. Like I, oh, like that kind oh. of thing, but that could be completely wrong. But that was a terrible explanation. Somebody within the organization who I also don't know if they understood the joke told me, but I'll, okay. I'll accept that because it's loving and fun. And I, I think that could be right. That, that's so sweet. If it really does come from a place of care, that is really nice. Uh, but <laughs> they do love see. to tease each other about this. It's so a like, great, I don't know. It's probably the greatest like inside running joke uh, on the Raptors right now. So you got to give Justin a lot of credit for that. I think his personality really pops. I really did enjoy interviewing him earlier this year. And I think everyone has had that I've spoken to who has interviewed Justin or been around him has, has sort of given the same experience. Um, so another running gag that, that came out of this summer league was, um, I don't know why the Raptors decided to do this, how to decide to do this, but they just decided to ask everybody cereal or milk in terms of which one do you put first in making cereal? So you jumped into this debate because every, everybody basically said, you know, milk first and you put, and then you put the cereal in, uh, except for Christian Coloco, who, you know, said something different. Now you actually caught him with him and he gave you like a good explanation for why he did it. But yeah, just take me through this. Was this also like a running gag? Like how did this idea come about? I asked the Raptors team, like, how did you decide to ask them? Yeah, cereal it's so or random. First? It's like, what is happening? And then it just came up under like, you know, those fun controversial topics that are online that you jokingly mm. ask people around. And I was watching from the side them ask all the players this when they'd walk through. And if anyone's seen the video, it's hilarious just to see their reaction. Like, no question. He put cereal in first. And then Christian saying, he puts milk in first. Everybody, like Raptors Nation, even Pascal Siakam, all kind of were joking, like, are you kidding me? It's always cereal first. You don't put milk first when you're having cereal. And, like, he was getting a hard time. So after I was asking Christian, like, the serious questions about your first summer league experience, mm-hmm. blah, 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 yeah. I'm like, I need you to settle this debate. Like, it's a controversial topic surrounding you. And he kind of, like, gave me a look like, what? I'm like, do you seriously put milk in your cereal first? 
And yeah, he cleared it up saying it's because like in Cameroon, he had powdered sugar and he jokingly kind of called out Pascal. If people haven't seen the video, Pascal Mm -hmm. put this video of him pouring in the milk after the cereal and he calls out Pascal. Like, I don't know how he had cereal back in Cameroon because that's not how I had it. Mm. But yeah, and so people, it was funny because there were some Raptors fans that were in summer league and I saw them even teasing Coloco in person about, you seriously put milk in first? But it all makes sense now. If powdered milk, it's a whole thing. You got to make it happen in the bowl. Just an experience. But it's funny. Like, that's the most random question I've seen in a long time, which now I need to know. Are you a milk or cereal person first? Okay, see, I'm, I'm happy you asked this because as I was positing this question to you, I accidentally said, put the milk in first. And it's starting to trip me out because I'm thinking about it. Like, is there some wisdom in putting the milk in first? Because my partner also puts the milk in first. And I tease her about it. And she, she always explains that it keeps the cereal drier. So you're like, cereal's not oh. soggy at the end. But uh, to be fair, I've, I've, I've honestly, I've never seen her eat cereal in my life. And I have also not eaten cereal in the last like five, six years. <laughs> Basically, since graduate university, I have not had cereal because, you know, I, I just kind of enjoy making breakfast. But um, yeah, I, I guess I would be like a regular cereal maker. What about you? Absolutely. Milk is second cereal okay. first. And I think there needs to be like a psychology study on who people who put milk in first. Cause like, you got to push the cereal down. There's way more effort. Like how uh-huh. long are people waiting that it gets soggy if you're putting in the cereal first? Like yeah, I true. use cereal like 40 seconds, like no. And then people that drink the milk after that's a whole other thing. Like absolutely not that weird. Wait, what? Why not? That weirds me out. They got all the floaties and gross things after from the That's what you just soggy. ate. That's, that's exactly what you just ate. Why is it gross no. now? No, I don't know. It's absolutely not. New question of the day. Do you drink the cereal milk after? You know what? We no. got to keep this going, actually. I think we got to catch up with the Raptors in preseason and ask them about. Just continue this whole debate. It was really fun. to Honestly, it was just really fun to like get to. Because yeah, you're not really getting to know them in that same way. They're only showing you this small little side, but this little slice of life. But it, it was like really... It was really fun. And I just thought like the mood around this team in summer league. I mean, look, we're recording this before they play their fifth game um, later this yeah. afternoon. Unfortunately, they weren't able to make the championship game, which is just one game. It's so weird. This how this turn this tournament is structured. I'm like, they're four, uh, they're, they're three and one, but uh, they're eliminated. A whole other podcast. <laughs> it's like, like a whole other podcast. What is this? I'm sure the players were confused as well, but uh, no, seriously, it was really fun to to see them in that environment. I want to know in terms of the coaching as well. Did you get to know uh, Coach Trevor Gleason at all? Um, who you know was the entire coaching staff down there? And just uh, let us know about the coaching side of it. Did they also talk about cereal as well? You know what? They would have. I actually gave Trevor a break from me because I figured it was a different situation for him. But he also was a really nice, fun person that you can joke around with it as well. And like at the beginning of summer league, like I only came, I think two or three days into summer league, right. but you had like the full coaching staff, like Nick nurse and all of them were here. Uh, Eric Watson, they were all here. Um, Earl Watson, pardon me. They were all here and kind of gathering around watching the team, seeing the development. You also obviously had the vets from the Raptors here earlier on as well, but there was a lighthearted vibe with, the coaching staff as well and their interactions with the players, maybe not as much so in the serial questions, but they still um, were taking a lot of time to develop and stay with the players. And like, I had a great conversation with Fab, who I don't know if a lot of people know is like the video coordinator since 2019 with the team and like mm-hmm. a British basketball legend. Right. Um, just, I think he was a player coach, like well into his forties. Absolutely was. Yeah. And so like, I have a feature coming out like in a month with him. Like we're just oh, holding great. it because it's so much 
lovely random content here. Like, don't worry, there's a whole thing about ketchup chips and the players and them just being disgusted to learn what it is. Okay. Um, but just, they were so focused on the development, but also keeping it light in practice, which I thought was really nice to see. Cause you, when you see when it was lighthearted, that there was that camaraderie that kept developing and they really took the time to stay with the players. If they're trying to work, work on the three or you know protecting the room which we've talked about before like so much over the last year but uh it was also lighthearted, but it was definitely serious but i think trevor was having fun with the whole experience yeah that's really nice i, I think it's really really cool what nick always talks about with his assistants is that he obviously like every, everything about a basketball team is about the players it's always about putting them in a position to succeed and improve but i think with nick the cooler thing too is that he always talks about developing his assistant coaches Mm -hmm. giving them opportunities to be head coaches. Now, of course, Trevor was a head coach in Australia for a long time, a legendary coach, really. You know, like, he, I would he's basically like the Greg Popovich of Australia. And, he, you know, so coming over here, coaching summer league for a week or two is not like a make or break thing. But mm -hmm. I, I do think that that kind of factors into Nick's thinking as well. And it's, it's just cool that he takes that sort of coaching approach towards his coaches as well which is uh which is going to segue into nick nurse himself um the person so you've covered him as a basketball coach um but also as a musician i thought one of the coolest interviews i saw uh this past season was when you guys went to memphis together you guys went to a record shop on beale street um so tell me about how that uh, came together first off a great question and i think so i've been covering the raptors in person for eight years and then before that uh from saskatchewan where i'm originally from for like three years before that and i think mm -hmm. a, a lot of people only i came on their radar when that memphis piece came out oh and um so that was i think released in november early december but it started because when the season right before it started the raptors pr group had a really tiny get together with people who cover the raptors and then mm -hmm. like nick nurse and messiah and bobby kind of mingled their way through and i interviewed nick earlier on zoom like months before and i have uh, for my zoom interviews like i have over a thousand pieces of vinyl i'm like a right. music nerd i own almost every nba player that's ever released music on vinyl i own them all like we're talking ai we're talking kobe bryant there's a wow. lot that you know wow. yeah okay. jason kids even on a record <laughs> so okay um when i finally saw him if I bought any new records and then we we're just talking about some of the best places we've ever bought music from and so in like September he was saying about Memphis mm -hmm. there's this Memphis record store which I never heard of and it's like okay and then I thought about it and I saw that they were playing in Memphis and the restrictions were still not great to travel but I reached out saying look what are the chances if I'm in Memphis and mm -hmm. Nick has like 15 minutes of free time could I interview him about this but more so also about his foundation which if people yeah. don't know it's phenomenal because he's helping getting instruments and music lessons to kids that wouldn't be able to get it and also like education and all this other stuff so I'm like I want to talk about the foundation and how that started and they said yes and I went there and the joy behind it all is my camera guy did not make it in time because his flight was delayed so thankfully, in my career, I started off as a video journalist. So like I had the gear already. I set it all up. I like put wow. an iPhone on the side just in case it didn't record. And yeah, they closed down the store and I got to talk to him about music and how he's looking for this rare Prince vinyl and how growing up he like sneak in the basement and play his like older siblings records and how he's learning guitar and he used to play piano as a kid and then kind of gave it up. But now is like a great piano player. So for me, like that was also interesting to see that other side of him. 
and just anybody in this industry, because like, I think he's a pretty unique head coach that he's going up and then rocking out on stage with Prince's band, new power generation and all this other stuff. But it was a really neat story because I think for a lot of us, it was a different side of him that he's like this unique character that has a little bit more of a legend that goes with him every time someone interviews him. Yeah, definitely. I think when people first found out about Nick and his sort of like obsession with music was um, during the 2019 championship run, he was a rookie head coach, at least in the NBA level at that time. Uh, and the Raptors were down 0-2. And all you see is a picture of Nick Nurse stepping onto a jet with <laughs> shades on, a hat, and like a guitar on his back. And it was like, and everyone started making jokes. I remember I was making jokes as well, saying he's going to play. Jokes. He's going to make wonder. He's going to play Wonderwall for the team on the plane and people are going to hate it. You know, like, but it, it, it became so clear how much he's passionate about it. Obviously, the foundation you mentioned, I remember uh, covering a story where him and the Arkell sort of came together in addition to, I think, Entertainment One and. They got new instruments for an entire band class that had just essentially uh, was forced to shut down because of the, the lack of funding, which is unfortunately a story mm -hmm. that happens a lot across yeah. um, schools. I, I know at least in Toronto, I know even from my, my, where I went to high school, um, like the, the music program w was so like uh, cherished that we, we used to win Kiwanis all the time and it was like a big deal. And even now with some of the teachers, like at that, when I was there 10 years ago, um, you know, when they retired, like it's just the programs ultimately start to fall by the wayside in, in a way. And it's really sad to hear about. So, um, but in going back to Nick, would you not say he's the Lindsay Dunn of, of, of NBA head coaches? Because isn't that also oh. kind of your story? <laughs> are, are you not also a piano player, a guitar player who also, you know, f for a job does Raptors stuff? Oh my gosh, that... <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to recover from that. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Yeah. So I, I, you will not be able to find this because it's not under my name, but I used to write music and mm -hmm. record jazz stuff and perform like you're right. Oh, I've done I, research. Like, yeah. I was like, I know it's like, <laughs> but it's not under my name. So people have been trying for years. Like my husband who I've been together for a decade has never found this recording because it's not my name and I will not let him listen to it because oh. I'm way too shy to actually share me singing with people i just love music and uh -huh. i think it's so neat how people create that but oh my gosh that is the funniest thing i've ever heard but like one thing i couldn't do that like i find nick very eccentric and i appreciate his confidence in his yes. performing abilities is when i covered him when he was performing for the jazz festival in toronto and he mm. went up on stage with new power generation and just starts to sing purple rain yeah <laughs> i was like what is happening right now? I could never do that, especially when you have like the legendary band of the singer. Like he's obsessed with Prince also. Yes. He's, so it was like that is a whole other level. But I would say I do not have the confidence he does to perform in front of people. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> oh and seeing Nick perform too, it's really endearing because I, I look, I think his full talents as a musician are probably more than what he is showing on stage. And I, again, I would have to commend him so much. I would not be this brave to like, like I played a little guitar. I played a lot of flute. I wouldn't do this like publicly on a big stage with like actual trained musicians. But when Nick goes on stage and plays the guitar, you and I both know as people who have played the guitar, he's just playing, he's just playing chords. 
That's They're it. raping chords. It's, it's like very He's going C. He's going G. He's going like, E. Like, 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 <laughs> you know it. And I laugh because people think like he's ripping these solos. Exactly. Like, oh, he didn't he's not. Keyboard. Like good for him for doing it. Just saying. But <laughs> you called it. And I laugh so hard because he uh, performed with the championship ring on his pinky, which you would know playing. How, how would you even play? Exactly. Exactly. And so I asked him like, are you practicing every day with your championship ring on just in case? Because it totally changes the dynamic of how mm-hmm. you're playing that amazing G chord. Yes. If, if you have the championship ring, on. and I guess he did practice with it leading up because he knew okay. he was going to perform, but it adds. A- <laughs> no, I, I look, I, again, I admire his swagger so Good much. Yeah, it's it's he- so great. He's living on his dream. Like, I, I mean, like I, I remember, so I was just watching like that interview that you did with Nick on the, in Memphis, which by the way, if you haven't checked it out, just search Nick nurse music shop. I think you, or like record store, you'll, you'll find it. Um, if you haven't seen already. And, and he talked about how, you know, he's, he's basically played purple rain. I don't know, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of times in his life. And so for him to be able to like live out that dream, Next to like actually Prince still being alive and like singing with Prince somehow, which by the way, if he did that, that'd be disrespectful. <laughs> don't, don't, don't sing over Prince, please. <laughs> well, that's but. the one thing is like, I don't really know him. Like I know I'm gonna, I've interviewed him a couple times and he's mm-hmm. a really nice guy and we talk about music. And I think that's so neat is I was so genuinely happy for him because that was such a big moment that I hugged him. I was Aww. like, congratulations, which like, I don't normally do. I'm not a hugger, but I was just uh-huh. so, cause you said like, it's a moment that he's yeah, obsessed of with the fan and he's been playing it. And he says he's, we worked purple rain like mm-hmm. hundreds of times in different versions and stuff. So like, I can't imagine that. Like, yeah. I don't know. That like, again speaks to Nick's, uh, overwhelming confidence though because again if i were to play purple rain i would just play it as it was written i wouldn't try to remix purple rain but again that's nick though that's nick he just takes this approach to everything the one thing i say about him is like you never know if he'll drop an album and it'll be like all prince remixes of him doing it and like him on the cover because he has these giant purple glasses as well which i was surprised to (laughs) wear and i asked him like are you going to be wearing these on stage and no he just wore like all black with some i think they're purple like you don't know if they're Air Jordans, but mm. just laughed. I was like, I will be honest. I full on thought he was going to come out in like yeah. a bedazzled suit. So yeah. I would say that was with his confidence. I was disappointed that he didn't rock that for that show. So maybe next time. I agree. I also missed the times where this is before the NBA kind of relaxed the, the coaching dress attire. <laughs> But that championship run and that whole season, he just wore so many like extravagant, luxurious uh, suits. And uh, nowadays he's just like in a regular zip up, like all the other coaches, which is just like, what is it? There's two things I'd like to discuss. And I'm glad you brought this up because Uh like everybody can wear what they want, but the Raptors Brown attire that they had last season was terrible throw that in the trash get rid of it and then the one that made me laugh was during the bubble where they had that pink like oh yeah yeah. that was i don't care who you are that was not flattering on anybody and that is another thing yes i'm glad that they got rid of that next season if that brown shirt comes back i just need you to go take that off of all of them throw it out and give them something else yeah i i got that i got that level of pull in the organization i believe so pull that confidence out there make it happen the funny thing when you mentioned that the 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 the, the, uh, pink striped shirt that they were wearing in the bubble is that was the same game you remember when the celtics were complaining that like nick nurse is on the court pretending to be a, a player 
and I think he was wearing that shirt. So it it, beca- it went viral in terms of just like that photo was used everywhere because it was a story. And it's like, no, he he lo- he really looked like a Where's Waldo. Like it, it, I'm looking at it now. It's it's uh, truly a bad look. I hope they're not selling these. It's anymore. another level, and it's just. And then he has such a unique uh, mannerisms on the sidelines. I guess we could <laughs> definitely. Say. He's just squatting. <laughs> it's the second quarter. The Raptors are out five, and he's squatting and, and stressed out. And it's uh yeah, like the hands are flailing, like when those used car sales when the balloon sometimes during the game like, yes like, like and so when you add that shirt on there or even the brown i'm like okay this is they need yeah. an iso cam just on him and also justin champagne because justin does not sit down yes. and i think like people would watch those streams i'm so i'm so upset for for justin that um that he hurt his hand not just because he couldn't play and obviously this is a pivotal time in his career but also him missing the chance to play against his twin brother Julian in that first summer league game against the Sixers, like that was a perfect opportunity. I just know that that would have been a really, really fun time. He definitely would have called him his son at the very least. Well, listen, I got to talk to you about other viral moments you've been a part of. Um, and there's one that's probably by far the most famous one. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to go with probably me interviewing the Dixie Chicks. I'm totally kidding. It's kind of started from the bottom. Now we're here. Drake. Yeah. The Drake interview, which obviously Drake has become many memes because, you know, he's the most popular artist on earth, basically. But what we're talking about is after game five of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Raptors uh, have made the comeback from being down 2-0, took the lead 3-2. And and obviously the game was played in Milwaukee, uh, but the Raptors having the watch party back in Toronto at, uh, at, at Maple Leaf Square. And you were there on hand to cover it. And that's when Drake gave the infamous interview where he's like, look around, look around. None of this exists. Like, it's honestly very incoherent when you listen back to it. You're like, what are you talking about? Um, and you have actually interviewed Drake one-on-one. So this was more like a scrum mm-hmm. setting. But I mean, listen, I, I think there's something to be said because your video of it went very viral. I think there was something about the fact that it was like um, shaky, like a handy, like you clearly took it on your camera. And I think the shakiness added to the cinematic effect of how like frantic and like basically high Drake was at that moment <laughs> off the win. Um, so can you just take us behind the scenes? Like what was going on? That didn't even seem like it was planned. Absolutely. I will let you know what's happening. And the, the crazy thing is that was actually shot with a professional camera. Like oh, I was, was in the middle okay. of a live hit. And so I was actually just talking the fans behind me. And I actually shaded Drake for a little bit saying, you know, he didn't even interact with the fans during this game. Like, what is he doing? So he's like backstage, didn't come out and say anything mm-hmm. the entire time. Right. And then I'm talking and I look and I see a bunch of the media kind of flock. I'm like, what is that? And I'm live. And I just look at my camera guy and like, we're going. And I just went, jumped in and threw my mic, which is why it's so shaky because he's this giant camera and there's like so many people around and he's trying to hold it over people's heads. And I just throw the mic in there. Drake said, whatever he said, which we said, like, <laughs> what was this? I don't know. Like, man. like, right. And I come it's back. Like, it's a college like, atmosphere. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> We created this. Like, okay. So I just come back, finish my live hit. And I was like, that is it. And I, uh-huh. my, camera like took it off the camera and put it on my phone and I just tweeted it out and then I deleted it because I didn't want me in the beginning of it because like right. we didn't need I just wanted a drink but at that time it already had 50,000 uh views I was like yeah I don't care I'm gonna delete this anyway I'm really bad at social media and so then I posted it again and mm-hmm. then I didn't check it until the next morning and I had calls from like good morning America and a whole bunch of other stations around the world being like, can we use your video? Can you come and talk about this moment? And I still, to this day, get asked about it. And what's wild for me is right after the finals were done, I was in 
England in the middle of a field covering a concert by this group Stereophonics, who I love. I was working on a documentary and the drummer of this band comes up to me. He's like, hey, you almost missed Drake. That was a terrible accent. But this <laughs> yes, that, how crazy. It was terrible. <laughs> how crazy was it? I'm in the middle of a field in the middle of England covering a concert and the drummer of a huge band, the Stereophonics, saw this flipping video of Drake and was like, you almost missed him. Like it was, I'm, I don't understand how people who deal with viral stuff all the time or social media. I'm mm-hmm. like, that was just so random. And I hear about it almost daily or people are DMing me about it, asking me to send Drake their music. I'm like, I don't know Drake what? I don't, all, all the time. Like oh, okay. I have thousands and thousands of messages or emails or anything. People saying, can you give Drake my mixtape? Or uh-huh. can you get Drake to say this to my, my kid? Like, I don't know Drake. Drake does not know me. And if yeah. I did, I wouldn't be asking. Like, maybe we could get Nick Nurse to play them a little happy birthday on a I was going to say, Nick knows Drake. Or at least, I mean, to, to the extent that anyone really knows Drake, but, you know. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. It so was, the- and it was just so random. And it just happened. Like, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, it is a great moment. Um, I think it's 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 viral because of sort of just like how um, insane he sounded in that exact time. But listen, you know, good for Drake. It was a great moment. Um, I'm really happy you're on a hand. The thing is, like, so you've actually like interviewed Drake like separately from that, right? So how was yeah. how how was how was that? I mean, I imagine less, uh, you know, maybe less exciting, or maybe he was less excited. Although who knows? It. You know, that energy level wasn't there that we saw from the playoff run, but he was still really nice. It definitely much more relaxed and you're in like a one-on-one setting with there's still a hundred people around you seeing what you're saying or what you're doing. But I, like, I, for the most part, think he's really nice. Like I know for the most part, he interacts with a lot of the sideline reporters for the Raptors saying like, Mm -hmm. Hey, how's it going? What did you think of that play? But he was really fun to talk to because during that interview, we talked about, the album but also just about basketball and i think he was excited to talk about that and we'll see i'm just surprised he hasn't started signed a 10-day contract with the raptors yeah i think j cole is setting a dangerous precedent like uh-huh. um, we're, we're blurring the lines but no honestly j cole was not wouldn't even be the far, drake wouldn't even be the first rapper to play for the raptors you know people back in the day will know tell you about master p and him playing um yeah so but then again we've also seen that the, the the videos of drake playing basketball it's uh it's kind of exactly what you would expect, to be honest. So, um, okay, well, in, in thinking about that championship run, do you have a favorite memory from the run? So I just heard from an interview that I uh, was uh, listening to before this that you didn't even cover the parade itself. So I can't ask you about the parade, but, yeah. you know, um, any other favorite memories from the run? It was such a blur. I actually got so sick during the finals that I lost my voice. So I was doing morning show hits across Canada on TV, Mm -hmm. starting at 3 a.m. local time. And we would finish around 10 a.m. And how I'm talking right now, this is basically me yelling, which is always a struggle in scrums because I do not have a boisterous voice. And I lost my voice pretty much the moment that we got there. And I was like delirious. I was on all of the cold medications we could find. And we were standing in the parking lot of when the arena was still in Oakland and I was doing a live hit and I 
I fell off the box that I was standing on because I'm not the tallest person on live TV. That is my favorite vibe. And yes, I could talk about the players and all the things. Like I saw Draymond Green doing like, um, I don't know, Zumba with a bunch of kids, which was just hilarious okay. because like, what what is life right now? There's so many random uh-huh. moments. But I, yeah, during a live hit, like I know that has nothing to do with any of the players or team, but I, I fell off a live uh, a box because I was so out of it and it was just so early and I was on cold medication, but yeah, I didn't cover the parade, which people think I'm crazy, but now no, I was no, like, there is zero regrets, no regrets. Yeah. Unless you were going to be given a chance to go on that, uh, on, on the, on the buses, yeah. um, and, and cover it from there. Uh, there was probably not very much access like at all. So yeah, no, I don't like those people like you're crazy. I'm like, I actually think that's one of the only best decisions I've ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. But it was it was interesting. Uh, and it's had more opportunities come from that. But I think if I still have the choice next time they win, hopefully, which is soon for all of us, because it mm-hmm. makes for a fun time covering the team. I'm still yeah. not covering the parade. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, maybe. Yeah, honestly, it was a great time. I'm so happy about it. I, I actually I, I said recently on this other show that I was like, you know, it, maybe it was a little poorly planned, uh, but then people pushed back and they were like, it was a great time. I don't care it was five hours. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I guess so. Although if you were one of the people who like lined up early no. to wait at Nathan Phillips Square, I heard some like genuine horror stories mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely ab- ab- about just like they went there, the access to bathrooms. Let's just let's just leave it at that. They're, they're, they're just yeah, Let's no. just leave it there. Um, no. Anyway, uh, listen, I, as I said earlier at the start of this interview, I actually wanted to ask about you as well and, and do media talk, which I think everyone who listens to this show like understands that I'm I love talking to other media about how they got their career and, and, and how they got their in and their first big break. So let's start with um let's start with just the way you grew up and stuff like that. So you said you, you grew up in Saskatchewan. Where are you from? And uh, where'd I'm you from go to the school? Queen Queen City. I'm from Regina, Saskatchewan and Is that what I... people call it? Well, it's just so that you don't have to say Regina, Saskatchewan or just Regina because people not from Canada around there are like, what did you just say to me? I'm like, no, it's Regina, Saskatchewan, but it's nicknamed okay. the Queen City. Yeah. Okay. So they also call it the place that rhymes with fun. Any comedian that's ever went through uh, Saskatchewan, Regina calls it wow. that. That's exactly. an innovative joke. That's that. I, I know, never right? heard that one before. We're like, we've never heard this when you come through. And it's like, I even remember like the late Bob Saget opened his set with that. And we're all like, We've heard this a thousand times. Um, But yeah, I went to school there. Uh, I went to the University of Virginia for journalism school. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people don't know is, which is weird about this job, is I'm incredibly shy. And I wasn't excelling in that program. I knew everybody around me in Regina, so I could just easily kind of go get the interviews because it was just so easy. But I wasn't doing great because I just was having a hard time getting out of my comfort zone. So I moved to Calgary and went to a journalism school there. And uh, while I went there, I got a job with a radio station back in Saskatchewan and I worked as a board op and that's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I never had any experience in that before, but I'm grateful for it because like 15 years ago, I learned how to edit podcasts and audio. So I was way ahead of the nice, game. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, and I'll try to speed through it. So I went through that after I went to school and I graduated. I left the radio station. I was lucky I got a job at CTV Regina, CTV mm-hmm. Regina. And I was a web person for like a month. And then a morning show was launched. But during that time, I also was doing evening sports. So I'd be doing the morning oh, no. show where I was sports entertainment traffic and if you've ever been to regina there's not a lot of traffic to have a traffic reporter <laughs> oh yep and a digital person so 
I was yeah. doing all that. And then the best part about that is like basketball at the time wasn't huge there. Like thankfully mm-hmm. the Raptors championship made it really excel. Yeah. So I would do out of a five minute block. I had like two and a half minutes of like Raptors or Lakers highlights or something. It was okay. like, it was like 1130 at night. I was living my best life. Just like everybody loved basketball as much as I love it. After that, moved to Toronto. I had a job with CTV News Channel. I went to Global. I went to Course Radio. I went to TSN. All during this time, I was always freelancing, working for different places, whether it be like ESPN Radio or uh, basketball websites or shows, always writing about WNBA or mm-hmm. basketball. And then eventually I got a job at City News where for a moment I was a producer and then I was doing music. And I, when I was covering music, I was always asking people about sports. And then eventually like just came to me doing sports and music because sports I always did and I always did a little bit of music and now I uh, write and do stuff for Sportsnet as well as City uh, and I do it nationally and then also some things a lot of people don't know is I'm a correspondent for BBC when it comes to NBA and WNBA and I love that because I can say the most random things about it and the best thing is like also with Nick Nurse they're like hey tell us what he's doing or OG oh, like there's a connection right, there that's it's right. just like <laughs> Like, okay, but really they just want to hear about like LeBron James most of the time or what's happening with the Lakers or if Kevin Durant is coming to the Raptors. I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I absolutely know all of this information, Yes, (laughs) but I try to do that as short as I can, but there's like been a million jobs. I love it. And Uh I have been grinding it out and I love working 24 hours a day. And the fun fact is I'm also married. My husband was my camera guy at CTV Regina and he never used a camera before. So I taught him how to use it. And he does not like sports. Oh, that's right? good. That's good. I, I, my, my partner plays sports, but she does not like sports, which I think is very refreshing. It, it forces me to not take my job home with me, which is great. Um, I think you, you do need some separation there. Um, okay, well, so um, I got a lot of questions, really. But uh, so what was your first big break? Like the first one where you're like, oh, my God, this is life changing. Call my parents, you know call my friends and let them know like, Hey, this is, this is a one step towards my dream. Or maybe I even, this is my dream. Yeah. I, that happens all the time. I keep pinching myself. I know this is a terrible answer, but I remember one of the first time. So it was when I got the job at CTV Regina, because when you're in your hometown, like CTV was King, it was the number one station. And I, they wanted me to do this. Like I'm a local kid and I got to talk about sports, Mm -hmm. the music. And it was everything to me. And my first basketball related interview was Jay Triano. And I remember how I still remember, and like, this is like 15 years ago. I still remember that excitement of, I can't believe I got to speak to the former coach of the Raptors and like Tinkan and all this other stuff. And yeah. I remember after I high fived, I don't know if I can say crap, but I high fived the crap out of my producer at the time. I'm like, I just did a new Jay. He's in Regina. What is life right now? And then like a year after I interviewed Magic Johnson, which is why I like, he is why I love basketball. Like that's huge kid from Saskatchewan interviewing him in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I traveled for it. Wait, what was he doing in Saskatoon? So there was this thing called We Day back in the day. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And he was, they brought him to Saskatoon of all places. And like, Hey, do you want a one-on-one with him? I'm like, sorry, what? like the magic Johnson, like Mm. showtime, like the reason I love everything about basketball. And yeah, so that was another big break. And um, I think the only, like I honestly, every day, it's like I'm in the sitting in LA 
going to cover an all-star game. So it's yeah. like, this is another big break. But I think in 2016, when I was covering the Raptors Eastern Conference finals run, which I know is probably still devastating for fans to hear. Oh, no, that's the second best season in, in Raptors history. So <laughs> I, I, I only look back on it fondly, except for the the last two games of the, the, the year, but it's fine. I remember being in the tunnel, seeing LeBron James run by with the trophy. And I was like, oh, uh, nasty. Yeah, it was nasty. But I remember I was doing a radio hit for mm-hmm. TSN at the time and someone from ESPN heard and then someone from BBC. So for me, that was like a big break because all mm-hmm. of these stations were like, hey, we like how you randomly talk about basketball and you try to make it a little bit fun. Like I'll throw stats and like crazy. I'm a stats nerd. But mm-hmm. for me, that was, uh, I think uh, another big break, but like, I think everything after I'm done interviewing somebody, I'm like, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> I can't, I haven't lost the excitement, which is just so annoying to my coworkers. Cause like when yeah. I go in the car with like a camera, I'm like, what's up? We're going to have a great day. Guess who we're going to interview today. Kyle Alexander. He's like, okay, Lindsay, bring about down like a thousand notches. <laughs> I mean, shout out to the Alexander family. It was a very, 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 very talented family. First family of Milton, really. Um, well, okay, look, I was also going to ask you this, too. It's just, um, I think this is for a lot of people in the industry to probably have different answers. It probably depends on sort of personal choice. But was there like a moment where you're like, okay, I've kind of like made it. I feel kind of secure. Because I think for everybody in the industry, like I think 90% of people here work way harder than they need to. Or maybe that's like even sort of, that, that keeps them a little bit off balance. But at the same time, I think kind of a lot of it comes from like this feeling of insecurity of, of like, this is such a competitive market. Mm-hmm. It's very unstable sometimes. Um, so you kind of have to grind all the time. So was there a moment mm-hmm. where you felt comfortable with that? Or do you feel comfortable with that right now? No, I think that's a great question. And I've now switched to the mentality of just because like my husband, he's like sat me down the other day. He's like, Lindsay, you're like the only person that does national sports and music on TV. Mm-hmm. you are correspondent for B- no no gosh no, no. you're big time no, no you're he's like time. no 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 he's like you're a bbc correspondent you are talking about basketball like i cover all those sports he's like but every day and it's like yeah i know but i'm is mine's more of the mentality i could always be doing something else sure. but for me if yes there's people around us like us both that they want the job they think it's easy or they like there's just people that i'd say are more qualified or whatever it may be yeah. But if somebody ends up taking my job, like I'm working as hard as I can, but not because I'm worried somebody else is going to take it, but it's because mm-hmm. I want to do more and I feel like I can do a better job, but it's a weird industry. So I'm just trying to take these experiences and enjoy them. Right. So that's just like the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, I've switched my mindset to like how, what kind of experience can I get today that I wouldn't be able to, if I wasn't in this job. And I think at one point somebody will get my job or that's just the way the industry works. And I can't think about it because for like the first eight years of my life in this career, that's what I was constantly worried about. But now it's just like, I don't, if I miss something, I miss something, but I'm not secure just in the sense that you never know what's going to happen. You never know. Everything relies on money and ratings. And I just do what makes me happy. And sometimes people love it or they absolutely hate it. But if I'm happy with it, Hey, that's a very wise approach. I'm going to try to take that same. It's tough. I'm going to take the same advice, honestly. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's, that really is how it is. That's why I asked it because it's like, you know, you kind of really have to grind. And look, I really respect your, your work ethic too, because every single one of these events you are at, um, and I know you can be in position to say no to some of these things because you are big time, even though if you say you're not, but like, you know, whether, you know, you're just at everything like Nick nurse is playing guitar at a jazz festival 
you're there. You know, Pascal is handing out laptops for his foundation, which is amazing. If you don't know about this, Pascal hands out laptops to underprivileged youth in Toronto to help them start coding and stuff like that. It's it's a really great initiative. But when when these things happen, you're there. You know, Vegas, you're there. Now you're in, in LA covering the All-Star game and you're going to do a WNBA as well. And it's just like, mm. where do you get your work ethic from? Oh, my dad. Absolutely. My dad, like he was working all the time, but he made so much time for family, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) my life balance is not great, but he was always doing something or he'd be doing yard work or anything like it never stopped for him because he was always trying to provide or do whatever he could. But I 100% got it from my father. And I just also think when you love the job and I know like we kind of had a conversation about this, that it doesn't seem like work and like, well, hey, um, because I'm also a music reporter i hate also saying no to somebody when they're trying to achieve their dreams because when it is a indie artist that maybe i don't know because i'm not the most hip person i want to give them a chance and put a little something on air or whether it be on radio so that they're Mm -hmm. just because maybe i'm not familiar with it it doesn't mean it but sometimes i'll be doing uh close to 30 zooms a day and i don't have a producer yeah 30 i don't have a and that's in between bbc hits doing live hits doing all this other stuff or attending games but Mm -hmm. i don't have a producer sometimes i don't have an editor so i'm editing my own stuff i shot my own stuff in vegas and i just love it and i when it's like the personality side like pascal handing out those laptops like it's a different side of them that i want to make sure people show that they're also, they're really good people for mm-hmm. the most part. Yeah. They're out there. They don't have to start foundations or give out this or sign autographs. And so for the ones that do, I want to, I want to showcase that. And I think that I just love it. And yeah, my dad gave me my work ethic probably too much though. <laughs> <laughs> what is too much work ethic? Anyway? I, was like, I don't fine. believe in sleep. I don't believe in sleep. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hearing you say doing 30 Zoom interviews in in, in one day, uh, in addition to other things, it's made me appreciate that uh, I should never complain about my job. Not that I ever really complain about my job, but like, oh my God, that's uh, another level. I have maybe done 30 Zoom interviews in in a month, maybe, but not in one day. Um, Another question I want to ask you, and maybe this is something that you've already trained yourself out of, but is there ever an instance where you're interviewing somebody and you're like, I'm nervous? this person is really famous or I admire them or I don't know, maybe they're prickly. You never know. People have different personalities. There's been a lot of prickly ones. Absolutely. When I, because I have a pretty bubbly personality, which I know some people hate, especially in certain genres of music or other things they do not like. And they think that I'm an idiot right away. Like I know people will judge me and it happens all the time. I've got used to it over the years. I'm like, yeah, you think I'm like a blonde, happy person that I'm just a moron. Like I'm not. Mm-hmm. but um, I actually get nervous a, a lot of the times because I want it to go well. I'm hoping that, you know, I can learn a little bit about them in the interview. And then it's rare that I don't find at the end of it, that I've learned something about it, but I get nervous for everyone. I think one of the times I was most nervous though was Dolly Parton and Barry Gibb, like from the Bee Gees, they were in a zoom together wow. with me and like their impact on songwriting alone is just legendary but i was so sweaty and then the only other time that it happened recently was chris weber and that's because i love c web and i wanted to ask him about his album that he released oh wow i did (laughs) not know he released an album yes uh i liked it if you want (laughs) that's not good (laughs) like no i was like i'll try to be polite about it it was Uh, um it was 
different. The song that he released as a single was called Gangsta Gangsta. <laughs> yep, I just said that. And yeah, yeah. Uh, he was being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I was so nervous to interview him. I'm like, this is going to come out of left field for him. Yeah. But he couldn't stop laughing. He's like, I think you and my brother are the only two people that ever bought that album. Wow. But yeah, I definitely get nervous because there are some people that you know this, like mm-hmm. they come in with egos or whatever it may be, or you're told you can only ask this, 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 or this. I'm like, well, I'm going to try to ask something else too. And of hopefully course. they'll be nice about it because other than that, what's the point? But yeah, I still, oh, and then <laughs> with me being shy, the worst thing for me is press conferences. So if anybody oh, ever yeah. hears me ask a question, I want them to know that for 10 minutes, I've been thinking about, like, I have a thousand questions I want to ask, but I get so sweaty and anxious and my heart is beating as fast. Like yes. I can see it moving. And then I was like, so what did you think of when they bought that shot? And then I was like, oh my God, okay. I got the <laughs> like that wasn't the question I wanted to ask, but yeah, so I definitely still get nervous, especially if they have a personality that is not so inviting to anyone. Because, hey, we're all in this together. For the most part, a lot of us aren't jerks. We're just... Yeah, yeah. Everyone's trying their best. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, I, I think too, like, especially now, you hear from NBA players a lot when they talk about sort of, like, the suspicion and a distrust of the media mm-hmm. in a way. And I think players... And I get it from their perspective. You know, sometimes they'd say something... It, all the context it's either taken out of context or it's specifically removed from all context to make it sound worse or more clickbaity and they don't like that and you know to be honest they don't even necessarily need to talk to us like this might be the one of the less fun parts of their job um but at the same time i think it's like there's like a real benefit to some of these things like it could be a real partnership when it's done in a healthy way and you know whether that's like you know you talking to nick about his foundation right that's a great way to sort of get in and talk to him about something he's passionate about or getting to cover pascal or all these other things it's like you know there's a very productive way that sort of this this uh, media player relationship can be handled and i think you always stay on the right side of it I, I i think just from myself watching from afar of course like you know i've i've spent a lot less time in this game quote unquote than you have you're 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 more of a veteran i mean as you mentioned you've covered the raptors for for eight years and even before that from afar so i want to ask you like what's um how have you seen coverage of the raptors change and evolve over this time it has grown so much which i love mm-hmm. um i remember my first season here like i did cover the way teams a lot more than i actually covered with the Raptors like I remember one of my first interviews was Isaiah Thomas from back when he was with the Celtics and there was just a handful of Raptors media and like I know I'm even part of some of the new crew but it's just like it has doubled even tripled over the last couple of years with people being interested in it yeah but and and I think the media coverage like sometimes I'm sure you have the same reaction people will ask a question and like whoa you went right for the jugular on that so i do understand the hate but it's like i'm not gonna ask it like i played basketball growing up but it's just i never was at the level obviously they are so i'm not gonna critique them sometimes yes you can ask but like what was your process when actually going through that play which but it's definitely changed but i think there's so many players with their guards up and like hey i cover it NHL too, so it's definitely not as bad as that it's not as bad as that what what do they do in pr training like do they just like I think torture told, them until they have yeah, no personalities like what's happening i think they're yeah told at four years old just say put pucks in deep and we'll have a good game why would you do that to a four-year-old i know it's I like can't be like i was so happy when i scored i always wanted to score it's not hard it's not hard no and then they're like i'm not asking i'm not like it's that is a tough tough uh league to 
cover. So right. like, we'll just keep talking about the Raptors, but it's definitely, the media has changed so much that I think there's a lot of joy surrounding the Raptors. Um, and so many more people are interested in it. Like you've seen, like there's a million more podcasts, radio shows, blogs, oh, yeah. everything in there, like Twitter accounts. And, and it's, it's fun. Like I've, I'm so lucky to have been a part of this journey in this ride surrounding the team like before they even got anywhere near the championship i still found the team fun like i loved interviewing bruno coloco and damari oh, carroll yeah. And, yeah, and like oh, bruno. Oh, a oh yeah like there, <laughs> yeah. there's personalities on there but i like just a random note that came uh-huh. out of summer league was armani brooks i remember interviewing him in la right when he got another 10-day contract and nick nurse said he was a perfect fit for the team uh-huh. so i just found out that armani is going to be on a single by cozy k-o-z-i-i right, he was yeah. in the studio with him recently and so he's okay. going to be featured on a single like sometimes it's like you're like what is life sometimes for everybody like the opportunities and he's like a clothing line and all this other stuff yep, that yep. is like this is just interesting yeah i don't know if you know his cousin or his no his uh his uncle is like one of the most famous like youtubers and like viral personalities out there like he's yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone. I think people know RDC World. People know his his uncle is yeah. Mark Phillips, and yeah. Um, yeah, like Mark Phillips, like goes to like the Oscars and sees LeBron, and LeBron's right. like, "I'm you're 36," and it's like, <laughs> that's that's Armani's like uncle. I mean, like they're similar in age, but like still, like that's that's wild. Um, but that will be another great vinyl to add to your collection. I feel like that might be like the most obscure one. Oh, absolutely! I think yeah. I love like the Lakers championship team from the late late 80s singing "Don't." Wait, they say say no to drugs which has like pat riley and kareem on there it, wait hold on that, that 80s team sang yeah. that song huh interesting yep, yep. It, 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 i'm glad you made the connection because i was like this <laughs> okay. is my prized possession because oh, just the irony God. of it all is just oh it is a dream that that's that's amazing like, um, do you know that kobe bryant was on a destiny's child song yeah, there's um and a Brian McKnight song. So the Kobe stuff I know more of. I know also KOB was like what hit single. I know, that one's actually pretty decent. Like as far as like uh basketball players crossing over to music and stuff like that. That one's pretty decent. I actually kind of like that one. Also, shout out to Kobe taking Brandy to prom is just just a legendary <laughs> moment. Like who, who does that? You're like, he was a teenager. Yeah. Just yeah. Oh. Yeah. I forgot my date at prom. That's how great I am. They called like the house phone at my parents and he called from prom. I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot you. We're sorry. Oh, that's yeah. my legendary story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's about the same. I think it's about same, the same, 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 same. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things I wanted to ask you in terms of just like, um, how the Raptors coverage has changed too. Cause I, I think one of the nice things is that because there's so much more interest, but also because there's more opportunities, like you know, people who can get it before people basically get in. If you work TV, if you work mm-hmm. radio, if you work newsprint, like that's basically it, right? And now there's so many more like web publications, there's podcasts, there's blogs, there's, you know, social media people, there's like uh, way more photographers in there now too. And it's just like, I think what that's really done and allowed is sort of like open the door for like just more diversity in the room. And I think that, I mean that in, in every sense, because mm-hmm. not to even critique the old media core but it because it's very obvious it was just like every single person was a white man covering the raptors for a long time and i thought that was always very strange to me because 
first off, like just just the game of basketball itself is definitely not played with that demographic, but also just like the city of Toronto itself is definitely not that. So if you were just to randomly take 10 people out of Toronto, like that would not be the sample you would get. And so, you know, seeing more women in the room, seeing more people of color in the room, it w- it's just it's just been really fun. I think it's like enhanced the coverage in a way, just because there's probably more perspectives and sympathies that have been brought to the room. I, and I just honestly, I want to ask you this because like, I know what my experience has been covering basketball. I know that honestly, in a very male oriented space, like mm-hmm. being a man in, in covering sports is like a huge privilege because you just don't have to deal with questions or assumptions that women have to deal with. It's a very long question. And honestly, there's probably... You What's probably it like being a, a woman covering sports? Yes. Or basketball? Yeah, no. It's I- probably going to be a 20 minute answer. I would honestly love to hear just whatever you would have to say about it in terms of your perspective, because it's it's very interesting to me and I don't think it's discussed mm-hmm. nearly enough. Um. <laughs> I'll, I'll give an honest answer. Uh, and I like, this could be bad or good or taken whatever I find, have found it really hard. And it's, I'm not just talking about basketball. Like I cover uh, hockey, soccer, or football and baseball, all of that. But um, although it's gotten easier, like sometimes I am the only girl in the room mm-hmm. and I realize like I'm privileged, like I'm a white woman, but it's just, there's been multiple instances over the last 10 years where I will be in a locker room. And when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about the Raptors. And I'd be sitting like, cause when we were allowed in the locker rooms, like they'll be changing and all this other stuff. I'd be respectful, like keep my eyes down or like, look at the ceiling, all this other stuff. But when I would go interview them, like I would sit beside them on their cubby in the locker. And sometimes players would think it'd be funny to come stand by me completely naked Mm. so that their bits are near my face. And like, you can see the other guy that I'm interviewing either mad about it because it's happened more than once or laughing about it. And like, I would I wouldn't acknowledge it. And I kept going through it or like there'd be comments made, like, don't look at it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, don't plan on it. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's just, uh, multiple comments. And I used to only wear blazers and pants when I would cover the game because I was like, no one's going to take me serious. And then I was like, well, I'm not letting anybody determine how I want to dress or whatever. So I've just, now I dress more like me and I wear heels also because I'm a hobbit and I can't reach the players half the time. But um, there's just been so many incidences that I can't even keep track of, of sexist comments or disgusting sexual remarks or just trying to be made to feel intimidated, even by other media, that Mm -hmm. you are the only girl in it. So if you do ask a fun question or if you slightly flub up, they're like, oh, that's just because you're a girl. And I've been said that multiple times. And I um, had... For the most part, I think over the last couple of years, it's gotten a little bit easier, especially even in the Raptors coverage. I find a lot of the people around have been more accepting and nice and trying to make opportunities and see that like, hey, I'm there because I love it and I'm grinding it out. Even if I'm not like it yeah. should just be an inclusive space because we're, we're covering sports like it's not rocket science, yeah. but it has been uh, multiple times. I thought about like I never actually wanted to, but quitting because was it worth the am I saying something wrong? Am I dressing the wrong way? Did I look at somebody the wrong way that they thought I would have been giving them an inappropriate, like, Hey, I want to do you vibe. I, the whole time I've been in Toronto, I've been with my husband and at points he was my freelance cameraman. And I had to always tell him, don't say anything. If something is said to me and he's witnessed it and eventually just stopped filming for me because he couldn't handle how I would be treated. And then it's like, I know there's worse things out there, but it's like randomly coming up and slapping my butt or to graze my breast and think it's funny is not okay. And I know like I'll laugh about it now, but 
it has um, definitely given me a thicker skin, but for a while it really destroyed my personality and made me not want to be who I am. But I just hope that for other women, just people out there, that it's just be respectful of each other's space. And just because however we identify or whatever you look at, like, like, I don't understand why people have to make anybody feel different. And I like, thankfully, like my dad raised me. Right. So I just, I have a hard time understanding why people are assholes. I also don't know if I can swear again on this podcast. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) But yeah, it definitely. um, And I think like, thank you for asking me that. I think if more people talk about it, because That's, people think yeah. that it's stopped, especially with the Me Too movement. And I actually think it's gotten a lot worse over the last two years. And like it's media from other teams that will say something or yeah. that. And it's just like, what is happening that you think it's okay to talk to anybody like that? Like I, for the most part, have been a huge tomboy. I think I'm one of the guys who I'm just like, I can't imagine. I'm like, do you have a mother or a sister? Would you, how would you feel if somebody went up and said something to her, like aggressively how, what they were going to do to her sexually? Right. And they're like, oh, great. Got to go do an interview after this. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that sounds legitimately traumatizing. It's something that like yes. just would not. I've never heard any sort of experiences like this, like for for people who are male in the industry, mm-hmm. you know, and that to me is just like I, it's, it's honestly it's, it's heartbreaking hearing it. But I think it's very important that we like that. And I appreciate that you were, have been open. Uh, on this platform and others to talk about this because I think it's it's really important to bring up. I think this is where like when, when people talk about allyship, like that's where if you are if you're one of the, the the men who are listening to this podcast, honestly, if you're one of the women listening to podcasts as well, but just like just you can't let these things happen. Like even if these conversations happen behind someone's back, like you just really cannot allow this. Like that's where you have to step in because like, of course people can take it too far. Ultimately you can't fully determine what people do if they choose to be one way. But uh, that's, it's so, it's devastating. Honestly, it's like, it's something where I, I just know that like, even on a surface level, people have misogynistic attitudes towards like, you know, women, especially women in sports, that you hear it all the time. It's very, very awful to hear about. And I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess this, it's not really your responsibility to make it better, but how do you think it, it gets better? I I think in the something that I'm mad at myself about is I never talked about it really before, except for the last couple of years, because, um, and like, this is too much information. I don't want to get into it quite yet, but like my first, one of my first jobs, I was sexually assaulted by a male coworker who was a sports person. And then like two years later, another sports person did this. And like, I keep hearing stories like that over and over and over again. And if it would have spoke up sooner, it wouldn't have happened to somebody else by the same person. And that's the part of this industry. I think a lot of people don't know is like, there's so many people. And I unfortunately think most women, have had either sexual assault or sexual harassment in mm-hmm. sports and like in just in life general, but it's so rampant and people don't talk about it, but there's just one other thing I'd like to add. And I thing that I struggle with is like, I don't like being negative and I find it very weird to talk about myself is one thing that I know that does not happen to a lot of my male counterparts when we're covering sports is, um, I almost always, after I interview somebody and say, I'll post a fun video, um, we'll get messages saying, I'm sleeping with the players or management or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if people choose to do that, that's their life. But like, that's another thing. Like I basically view everybody as robots and I'm over here or that they're like my brothers or my children. Cause I'm a lot older than everybody. I just don't look at them that way. And if it's so frustrating because people will send emails 
emails to like a giant group email my work. So all my other coworkers get it saying like, oh, she's banging so-and-so or they'll Mm -hmm. send me memes where they Photoshop me looking like I'm having sex with one of the players or coaches or assistant coaches. And that's all the time. (laughs) Like I laugh about it right now. Cause I'm just like, one of them happened recently when I interviewed a coach and uh, they made such gross sexual comments about it and were sending me photos. And like, this was like multiple people. I'm like, man, like, I thought that was a great interview, (laughs) but it's like, it's just the the changing. I think people to talk about it that behind the scenes were like, yeah, I may look like I'm smiling and happy because I am, but like, there's just a lot of crap. But like mm-hmm. we all deal with it. That's the only thing that I say that I've no, always but come on. It's it's such a it's it's such a different level. Like again, like this this never has happened to me and never, you know, it I probably hopefully never will happen to me. But it's like again, this is it sounds really awful, man. Like oh, it's just like it's yeah. so bad. Like and it's it's so unacceptable. It's like uh it's behavior that's just genuinely dehumanizing. Even just aside like the worst that I will get will be something like something about Asians or like That's something about you don't know ball or like people get mad at me for my opinions or stuff like that. Like it's, but that's like, I guess putting aside like racist remarks, like it's just like, that's just the, I guess comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. I get it. Maybe you're having a bad day or whatever. Like that's kind of the extent of it. Right. But no, the, the, the degree that like, again, like women in sports, just like, like I've had conversations with other women and sort of like these kind of conversations happen and I kind of understand like on a surface level, but um, yeah, no, seriously, thank you for, for bringing that here and, and, and letting people know this. And I think that it's uncomfortable for people to sit with it for sure. Um, but you kind of have to face it, um, that discomfort to at least even try to curb it in, in, in the aggregate. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. no, I appreciate the opportunity. And I think, um, I know I do understand why a lot of women don't talk about it because for me, like as soon as I said, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get treated differently. And that's the thing is we all just want to be treated the same. Yes. And I know that's hard for people to overcome. Cause it's like you're raised around this or you're in a certain environment where that's just what it's like, but it's just like, just hopefully it will change. And I just like, we're all in this together and I just, am not going to let it bring me down. And I'm just excited that we're talking about basketball and random yeah. things and hopefully you putting out your own record too. I would love to hear that Wonderwall. I, yeah. Uh, when was the last time I played Wonderwall? Probably like grade, no, first year university <laughs> in my in my university dorm, um, there was like a courtyard in the middle of it. And, you know, as you would, sometimes you're like a very obnoxious 18, 19 year old. So you sit in the middle of this courtyard and play guitar out loud, even though everyone in the whole complex can probably hear you. And I think I played Wonderwall. I think I played Fix You by Coldplay. Like all like the, if you go to Ultimate Guitar and go to like top 100 tabs, I basically like started from there and I worked my way down. <laughs> so just all the, all the worst ones, like, uh, also, oh my god, the plain white tees was like a thing again. I don't even hey there, I don't, Delilah. I, yeah, hey there, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'll follow you into the dark. Like, I honestly, like, I know all of these, and it was just like it's a weird, it's a weird part of me that I'm like, I don't, I don't identify with this person, I don't know who this person is, and I'm gonna deny that it ever happened, but it's undeniable because I was very oh public about this. So, no, I was gonna say, uh, to, to end her on a, like on, a, on a more bright note, because I think, you know, like we covered a lot of things in this, in this episode, and I thank you so much for your time and, and for, for, having me. for speaking your experiences too, but it's just like, 
Yeah, what's what's the thing that, about this job that you find the most joy out of? Maybe just on the basketball perspective. I, I'm sure, like on the music on the musical level, it's probably a little bit different as well. But yeah, from the basketball side of it, basketball, and I know I'll, I get flack for this because I am I cover all the sports, but mm-hmm. like it's my love. I have loved it since I first saw Magic Johnson on the court, and like mm-hmm. people would give me VCR tapes, VCS tape, or whatever they are, VHS. There we go. Like it's yeah, been a it's, moment. Also dating it's been my. A while like when I was little so that I could watch the games that happened like 10 years before I was even born but I love the magic of the game mm-hmm. every day like I love summer league because there's no music and you could hear the squeaking of the shoes on the court and yeah. for me like I can get nerdily emotional over just how beautiful that is and seeing a player develop I mm-hmm. love seeing them or make that shot that you know that they've been working on forever or when they come back from an injury and they overcome all that adversity that brings me so much joy. And also just when we have those chances, when you get to interview a player and see that personality come out, I will be beaming about it for months to come because when you find out that there are really good people in the world and they're achieving your dreams and you're just a tiny little blip on the side, a part of it. And that is like the most Disney answer ever. But like talking about that, like it, it just gives me so much How could you not so be romantic about sports? I, I'm, I know I'm how can you not be romantic about baseball? I love that line, but yeah. basketball is it. And like, yeah. I love covering it. I love when you have that clean three of that, just nothing but net. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never, ever, I don't think I'll ever get tired of watching it. And I am yeah. just like, we are the luckiest people in the world. I know we both work very hard, but like, <laughs> this is just the yeah. best. No, it really is. It really, no, honestly, it really is. Oh man. I, I honestly, like, I think and over the course of this conversation, it's, it's been really, it's been really great. I'm honestly, um, I mean, miss working. What are you going to say? I literally, this is my first week off, <laughs> so right? Sorry. The show just went off air. I'm like still doing podcasts just cause I, I can't get away from this. I love talking about it. I'm going to use summer league as an excuse, but really I just want to continue talking about basketball. And, uh, now you're making me miss. I, I really wish training camp was like next week, you know, even though I've been well, awesome. I'm glad I made you a little sad. <laughs> So, all right, Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you want to like leave a plug or anything like that? Or what are you working on? You know, things that people should check out. Positive, more positive messages. Positive vibes, right? Um, This is, I'm like to point out how bad I'm at social media, but I posted a video on TikTok, which for me had me in tears of Christian Coloco video bombing my interview with Armani and just deadpanning it the whole time. And it just... I don't care what people do in their day just as a random thing. I thought it was hilarious. But other than that, like, I never know what's coming up next. There's a bunch of interviews and fun times happening. So go listen to the Lakers say no to drugs song from the late 80s. How about that? I'm definitely, that's a great way to end up. I'm I'm going to listen to that. I do have a record player. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to lend you it. I'm not giving you it, but I'm going to lend you it. Okay. I I look forward to, to hearing that from all the players involved. Um, so alright Lindsay thank you so much for your time thanks so everyone for listening uh, we'll have more podcasts throughout the week um, and uh, yeah hopefully they're all as good as this one